0: Welcome to another podcast from the Way Community in Bendigo. This teaching comes from visiting ministry and friend of the Way, Apostle Israel Onorobi. Prepare to have your faith stirred and mindset shifted. By the grace of God this year, Amen. Okay, come with me. Let me take you to the Word of the Lord. I have a lot of things that I would love to speak to you about, but. We we'll only have one day of meeting, which is today, and our time is very limited, so I'm just going to try to just put some things out there to you and to encourage and challenge you by these things, trusting the Lord that you will go back home and allow the Spirit of the Lord to speak further to you. Like I said, these are not new things, but it is something that the Lord is stirring up our heart towards. If I had time, I would have been dealing on at least three different messages. Uh huh. But now what I want to do is like trying to package them together and make it just one shot. Does that look good? So I'm mean, a man. I don't like to preach with a subject. This is my subject. No, no, no. I'm very open so that I can go a different direction. Right. So I believe that your spirit will be open to be able to catch what the Lord is saying. Now let me begin by saying this. One of the things the Lord stared in my heart, I think that was the last trip I was actually here in Australia. I was to fly out from Sydney right at the airport. And the Lord began to drop some things in my heart which I considered to be, I called it personal keys or personal principles to a successful ministry. The Lord was stirring my heart regarding that. So I took pen and paper, I wrote some things down. Of course there are many things you can write or there are many things you can do depending on what you are doing or what you are called to do that may be required of you or from the Lord for you to make you successful in what you do. But I was talking about the aspect of ministry Most people in the house of God do not understand what it means to be successful. Most of our definition of the word success is based on the world's definition. And if you understand that we are in this world, but we are not of this world. And therefore, as people who are of the kingdom of God are from a different realm, your perspective and your understanding of things must be different from that of this world. Yeah. But we've been influenced through the years by the system of this world. As a matter of fact, we've, been, we've conformed to the system of this world, rather than being transformed by the word of the Lord, to bring influence in our world. So therefore, most of our concept of things in church is based on the world's definition of things. And somehow, or for some reason, that is why we are not able to make a significant impact in our world. Because when they look at us, you are doing things the same way they do things. And you are trying to copy them so you are not authentic in what you do. So they are the original, we are just the copycat. So they say, well, I think I do it better than them. So they don't see any need to become a part of what we do. Mm -hmm. But when we operate from the mindset of Christ, from the heavenly realm, you understand you do things different as people of the way. Come on, are you with me? And when you begin to understand sources, most of us define sources based on material things, what we see based on how much you have in your bank account, based on your material possession in terms of your cars, your houses, and all kinds of things, and the place you can go, and all these material things you've acquired. But when you understand, to be successful means that you have fulfilled God's divine purpose for your life. Yeah, yeah. Come on. Yeah, come on. Are you with me? Yeah. So therefore, my success will be different from your success. Because my call is different from your calling. Yeah. And God is not going to judge you based on what he called me to do. He's going to judge you based on what he has called you to do. So you're going to hear that word, well done, that good and faithful servant. If you have fulfilled what you have been assigned to. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, I always say this in the recent time. Most of us are successful but in the wrong assignment. Come on, are you with me? I want to say that again. Most people are successful, but in the wrong assignment. In other words, that would the Lord have not assigned us to. We have pursued that thing and we become successful in that. But we may be so disappointed when you stand before the Lord and hear from the mouth of the Lord that I didn't call you to do that. This is what I've called you to do and you have failed in your assignment. And one thing you must understand when you study the parable of the talents, to one he gave five, to the other he gave three, and to the the other he gave one. But the scriptures say, in proportion to that which they can handle. So the one who got one cannot handle more than one. So God gave him one. And the one who received two, God gave him two. I mean the master gave him two because that is what his grace, his ability can handle. So in other words, the concept of it is that to each one, God gave to you according to your ability. They didn't give you less, it didn't give you more. So in other words, to every one of you here, every grace that God has given to you, it, I mean, God knows your ability. So why should I leave that which God, have assigned me to do and begin to desire another man's own when that is not my assignment? Come on, are you with me? Uh, the same thing, if I was to speak to more pastors, there's this concept of what we call church growth. And most of our pursuit of church growth is how to multiply members. Yeah. <laughs> and we think that is church growth. A man can be called to only pastor 10 people and not 100. Yeah. Yeah. But our mindset is to pursue 100. I and mean, when you get 100, you want to get 1,000, you want to be the biggest church in town. But interestingly, you are not called to build the biggest church in town. Yeah. Are you what yeah. me? You know, sometimes if you begin to measure what you call success, if you look at the life of Jesus, if we are to measure success based on the world, we will say Jesus was a failure. Yeah. Do you understand that? Yeah. The Son of God showed up on earth, had a gathering of 5,000 people one time. And turn around, you will say he has a mega church. Successful ministry. And in one day, 5,000 people left him. When they said, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood if you want to be a part of me. They said, this is a hard saying," and the multitude left. He turned around to the 12 and said, are you still here? Mm. And Peter, who have left everything, said, Master, to whom shall we go to? For we know that you... Have the word of eternal life, and we will stick to you until the end. Yeah. He had one time he had what 5,000, one time he had 70, one time he had 12, and before you know, he had the three, he had the one. But at the end of his life and his ministry, one betrayed him, he was left with 11. So you will say, through his whole time of ministry, he was able to speak of 11. And when he died, as a matter of fact. The leaven was nowhere to be found. Peter sat down with the leaven and said, well, what do we do? And well, Peter said, well, I go fishing. Look, the doctor and the tax collector understand they can't go back to their trade. Well, they said to Peter, if you go fishing, yeah, we go fishing with you. Because at least we don't need any employment or whatever it is, so we go fishing with you. So 11 of them went fishing. Remember the resurrection and so forth? He met them. But when you look into the life of Jesus, you would have said he failed. Are you with me? But today, look at the fruit of his ministry. There are over 7 billion people upon the face of the earth, and probably half of it confess Christ. Over 3.5 billion followers who believe in him today. and follow him. Look at this church. So if you measure his church based on what you call success, by 11 men, you will say it's a failure. But look at the result today. He was very successful because he only fulfilled that which he was called to do. Come on, are you with me? So one of the ways we must or we will be able to have a successful ministry. I'm not just only talking about ministry. This is applicable to marriage. This is applicable to business and every aspect of your life. It is for you to know and understand God's divine purpose in regard to your vision. Your vision must be made clear. And the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, I think chapter 20 uh, is it 28 or 29 verse 18 it says, "Where there is no vision, the people do what perish. One translation says, where there is no prophetic revelation of God's purpose, the people what? perish. Vision is not what you get when you go at sleep when you go to sleep in the night and wake up in the morning, you say, "I have this dream, I have this what God wants me. no, no, no. A vision is defined as the prophetic revelation or the prophetic understanding of God's eternal purpose for your life. Yep. Mm, come on. So the question here is uh, how many of us have a clear definition of God's prophetic purpose? I mean prophetic revelation or understanding of God's, inter- uh, of God's eternal purpose for our lives. That is something that must be clear to us because your success in life will be determined by your divine purpose, fulfillment of your divine purpose, either as an individual or corporately as a church. This is very important. And it is your vision that will motivate you to live life. And the Lord will say to Moses when he was to build a tabernacle, He said, Moses, see to it that you make all things according to the pattern which I have revealed to you. So in other words, the accuracy of your building or of your work will be determined by your vision. How you see things, how you perceive things. Come on, are you with me? Yeah. So this is very important for us no matter where you are spiritually, for us to begin to understand things as we begin to pursue the law. Another thing which I dealt with, I'm just quickly putting this before you. Another thing which I looked into, the fact that you know your specific calling or your your vision in life and understand your divine assignment, one thing that is very important for us is the development of ourselves. It is one thing to have a clear definition of God's purpose, but we must be prepared for that assignment. What we have today in the body of Christ are people who, by revelation, by impartation, understand their divine assignment, but yet they are not prepared for it. So most people have jumped out unprepared for that assignment. I want you to understand this. You understand Moses. I've written that in the book. Moses was a man at the age of 40 in Egypt, understood his divine call and purpose. That he was raised by God to deliver his people out of bondage. And he tried to do that at the age of 40 when it was not yet his time. Cost him problem. Almost cost him his life. And he ran out of Egypt into the backside of the desert for another 40 years of preparation. I don't need to go into that because sometimes when I read that, it baffles me to to understand the ways of God are different from the ways of men. Because in my own understanding, Moses was the next Pharaoh of Egypt. The son of Pharaoh, I mean the next king of Egypt. Don't you think it would have been easy for God to kill Pharaoh and make Moses the next king of Egypt? And that makes the job very easy. Because he already knows his assignment. But for some reason, God wouldn't do that. But God stripped him of his position of becoming a king. And all the wisdom of Egypt he was trained in. And to take him to the backside of the desert to take care of goats and sheep. For another 40 years to prepare him for another assignment to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt to the promised land for another 40 years. Mm-hmm. A people that will be behaving like goats and sheep. Yeah. So you understand the preparation on the backside of the desert? Mm-hmm. Taking care of goats and sheep. Mm-hmm. God was preparing him for a people that will be behaving like goats and sheep. Yeah. Come on, are you with me? One of the challenges we have is that most of us have vision. We have this zeal in us to run after Abel, like Paul would say. He said, for I perceive that they are so deeply devoted, but the problem is that they lack knowledge. Mm -hmm. They lack knowledge. And if you understand, that brings me back, if you begin to understand the prayer of Paul, that is why any time Paul hears of the salvation of a new believer in Christ, his prayer has always been, Lord, give them wisdom and revelation knowledge. Yeah. Wisdom and what? Revelation what? Knowledge. Some of us don't understand the wisdom of God. We don't ask for wisdom. And yet yeah, the scripture says, if any man lack wisdom, let him do what? Let him ask. What is wisdom? Wisdom is defined as the application of three things. One, the application of experience, the application of knowledge and the application of good judgment. Take note of that. Wisdom is defined as what? The application of what? Experience. The application of knowledge and the application of good judgment. Anytime you ask the Lord to give you wisdom, he gives you an experience. Mm. Did you hear what I just said? He gives you what? An experience. And through that experience, you are able to know in order to make good judgment in what you do. Go read the book of James, chapter number one, when he says, if any man lack wisdom, him acts. When you read the whole story, I don't know where that story of wisdom comes because he's just talking about something and suddenly it's sweet. If any man lack him acts. He's talking about an experience. He's talking about an experience. So one of the things the Lord wants us to have is wisdom, the wisdom of God. In addition to that, you need revelation knowledge. Revelation what? Knowledge, very important. That this, will, this should become our prayer on a daily basis. Lord give me wisdom and give me revelation that I may do what? Know you. One translation so that I will have insight. The Amplified translation. Insight into your mysteries and your secrets so that I will come into a place of an intimate relationship knowing you more. And at the beginning of this year, I began to pray and meditate. And the Lord brought me back to this, which I just want to quickly put out to you. It's something that is so, like I said, it's nothing new. But the Lord began to press upon my heart. And this is not just for me, but I believe this is for the body of Christ. Regarding our pursuit of God. Mm -hmm. To know him. And to become more intimate with him. I'm talking about it. no matter what you call to do. This aspect is very defining for us. Our pursuit of God. To know him. Now the moment you think you know the Lord. You realize that you don't really know the Lord. Yeah. Because the scripture says let any man who thinks knows the Lord. Know that he knows nothing. You're ignorant of him. You don't really know the Lord. As a matter of fact, if the Lord is to open our eyes and to say, now this is the measurement of the fullness of the knowledge of God and to find where we are in terms of the knowledge of God, you discover that we are really down here. We're not walking in the fullness of the revelation of Christ. Because if you go back and read the book of Acts of the Apostles and see the things that they did and the realm that they walked in, and I measure it with where we are today. You know that, no. Well, I, I, mean, I mean, we're still, we're still playing around. Yeah. Believe me, we're still playing around. Because these guys were serious. I mean, they were living in the natural, but yet operating in the supernatural. Yeah. It is not something they experience at the revival meeting. Yeah. Once every two months or when a guest speaker comes in or what. No, no, no. It is something that they experience on a daily basis. That is why the scripture says souls were added to the church every day such as should be saved. And yet in the midst of that, when you read that, the Bible says no man there joined themselves with them because they were afraid. But yet the Lord still says souls were being added to them. So in other words, when the church was having meetings, nobody just walked in and said you want to be a part of it. You don't, you don't just wander around the street and say, hey, let me see what is happening and go see that. No, no, no. Your heart must be made up if you come in that meeting. Because it looks like their meetings was like something like life and death. Mm-hmm. To them who declare the gospel, it's like they are dead but yet alive because they were willing to give their life anytime because of the time they lived in. Yeah. And those who also came to church to become part of it understood the, the seriousness of the magnitude of joining themselves because you can fall dead in the service. Yeah. I'm not talking of under the law. I'm talking about under grace. Because these men spoke with authority when they declared the word of the Lord. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They spoke with authority. When Ananias and Sapphira showed up in church, came separate, separately. Look at Ananias. Why are you lying against the Holy Spirit? Don't practice this one on me. <laughs> Let me give you. Wow. Well, Why why are you lying against the Holy Spirit? Why the land was not sold; it was yours. If you wanted it, keep it for yourself. But when the Lord stirred up your heart to give, it was the Lord. So why did you keep part of it? Oh, why the wandered life? It was gone. Mm -hmm. Believe me, if we have that in church today, some of you will not show up next gathering (laughs) because then you will make up your mind that you are either in or you are out. Are you hear what? Are you here? I mean, yeah. that is why one of the things I pray for is that the fear of God will return back to yeah. church. Yeah. Yes. The fear of God, that reference of God, will ret- I'm not talking about that dreadfulness in terms of that uh, ghostly fear, but that, that awesomeness of the fear of God, the reference of God in our heart. I believe that is one of the key to the move of God's spirit within us. Because God will only move by his spirit among a people that have reference and fear for him. But let's go back. I believe the Lord was really impressing this in my heart. Your pursuit for God to know him. Hear me clearly. I wrote something down and the Lord began to minister to me. Most people today have lost genuine relationship with God. We have a lot of people who are religious in church but no relationship with Christ. Yeah. Being in church is not being in Christ. Yes, mm-hmm. There's a difference between being in church and being in Christ. There's a lot of people who have been in church for many years but they are not in Christ. There are a lot of people who are growing in religion, growing in, court, in church, but they are not growing in Christ. When I say church, I'm not talking about the body. I'm talking about people who are part of a denomination, a name, or what They are growing in it, but yet they are not growing in Christ. Yes. But the emphasis that the Lord is bringing to us is the need for us in our pursuit of the Lord to seek him, to know him, and to become more intimate with him. So, I said people have have lost genuine relationship with God. And one of the reasons why people have lost genuine relationship with God is because of the deception of false teachings. False teachings that is going on in church. I'm going to give you a scripture verse because I, I have to meditate on this over and over. But it's something that you must think about. Because of false teachings, most of you, we in one quote call it revelation of the kingdom. Somewhere on the other side call it the gospel of grace, or whatever you put it. But sometimes, I'm going to give you scripture. The Bible said, these are good terminology or good wisdom of men. He said, but they are not of God. Now, I am not saying grace is not of God. I'm not saying the kingdom is not of God. But people in in this title have brought some things that have led us outside Christ, but have not really established us in grace and in the kingdom of God. That's what I'm trying to say. So, in other words, the Lord is saying to us, true false dece- false teaching. And some sometimes the scripture call it demonic influence or demonic teachings that have come into the church unknowingly to us. Because I discovered there's something in the heart of every man, the, the pursuit for new revelation. Mm. New things. Do you know that was what was happening in uh, in the days of Paul, when Paul came to, uh, yeah, uh, huh? yeah, the Mount Hill, when he came, the unknown God, when he came before them, now that was a, I, I had the privilege of going to Greece and went down to that mountain, that place, and saw the theater where they all gathered. They say it was a place where people come to seek for new revelation, new teachings about God. So, if you have any new encounter, new vision, you need to come. And the, the way it is, there's a mass hill that was on the side here where you climb on top. Is That is where you share your revelation. You share, share your new teaching. And if it looks appealing, it said, then they bring you into the theater where you now stand before the who and who, and now you declare that to, to them. So that was where Paul came and stood before them and hearing them talking about these gods and so forth. And then I said to them, come, let me, let, let me tell you about... This God that you talk about, but you don't really know him. I call it the unknown God. So in other words, in reality, they heart desire for God, but they were led astray to false teachings. And that is what is happening in church today. Everyone who comes to church have a desire to know God. But unfortunately, the deception that comes in true religion that blinds the eyes of the people, they think that they are pursuing after God, but not knowing they have been led astray with something that sounds wise, but yet it's not of Christ. Yep. Come on, are you with me? Yeah. So we must be very careful so that we don't fail of His grace and lose our faith in God. I'm going to come to that. Let me give you one scripture, therefore. Okay, give you two scriptures, uh, different scriptures. Hebrews chapter number five. If you write the right down because of time. Hebrews, do, do I have a clock somewhere timing? I need to time myself. We don't do that. You don't do that here. Ah, oh, okay. I can preach it now. You're talking to an African man, brother. We can preach for Nati tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. I hope somebody has the keys of the door. You can lock the doors now. Yeah. <laughs> Right, Hebrews chapter number five, beginning from verse number 11 to verse number 14 is a popular scripture verse. <laughs> oh Lord, I pray I don't miss this, but I want to get it. Hebrews chapter number five. Is that of whom? Speaking of Christ. Because in Hebrews chapter n- number five, chapter n- sorry, chapter number five, beginning from verse number 11 to verse number 14, Speaking here, he was speaking about Christ, who is the high priest. He said, of whom this of Christ? He said, "We have many things to say concerning him. He said, "But unfortunately you cannot bear them now. They are too hard for you. Can we say that of the church for today? Not all of the church, but to some extent. Can we say that of some folks who have been in the Lord, that there are some things we cannot speak to them about? Because they just cannot understand. It's too hard for them to comprehend. He said by now you ought to be teachers. One who teaches the deep things of Christ. But unfortunately you have become those who need to be taught. You become the student instead of becoming the teacher. He said you still need for one to teach you the, the basic principles of the doctrine of Christ. And the reason why, he said, because you are still a babe. In you know, other the one who is spiritually immature. Yeah. And he goes on to say, anyone who desires milk of the word is still unskillful in the word of righteousness. In other words, Ooh. such person is not mature. He said, you are still, desi- he said you are still a beginner. Yeah. The message translation. You're still a beginner. Now, wow. I thought the scripture said, Desire the sincere meek of the world. Mm-hmm. But now, here come Paul, is saying, If you are still desiring the sincere meek of God's word, he said, You are still a beginner. You are still a baby. Yeah. You're not matured yet. When by now, you ought to be teachers. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, Paul, is said, I, I, I overheard uh, the apostle of the Lord speaking last night while we sat there and while we're having meals, speaking to the young ones. And he was asking about how long does it take for you to, you know, Rise up to that place in Christ and to, and to just begin. And he gave an illustration of the giraffe and the others in the jungle. That, I mean, when they give back to the, child, the, the little one, I mean, it's instantly they hit the ground, they stand on their feet, they start running. If not, the lion comes for you. Mm. Do you understand? So, in other words, I mean, the moment they hit down, boom, they are ready. Are you catching what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. Okay, now he gave that illustration. But I found something in the scripture. There's an interesting one where Barnabas came to Antioch and first ministered Christ to the people. And they believed. And went to look for Saul, who was known as the Apostle Paul later on, in Tarsus. And they came back to Antioch. And the scripture says, for a space of one year. Greenhouse folks, do you understand that? For a space of what? One year year. They were taught and discipled. And after one year, do you know what the Holy Spirit did? The Holy Spirit in the midst of fasting and prayer said separate me what? Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Mm -hmm. And guess what? The best ministry gift, if you will say in Antioch was released out of the church and yet the church remained strong and even until this day, it's a model for the apostolic church of today. Yeah. Yeah. The Antioch Antio- not the Jerusalem church. I mean the Antioch church. But yet yeah, they were able to release their best gift in one year. Mm-hmm. So a space of teaching impartation of one year, you ought to have graduated from just being a believer. If you understand that word, where they were not called. I mean, they were not called a Christian. There's a difference between, I guess you know there's a Christian between a believer and a Christian. Yeah, That's good. It takes an instant to make a believer. One miracle makes you a believer. Woo! Mm-hmm. But you can't be a disciple in one day. It's a process of time. As yeah. a matter of fact, you must understand that the devil is a believer too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Read the book of James. The Bible says the devil believes in God. As a matter of fact, the devil believes in God more than you. I mean, the devil doesn't doubt God. He knows that everything God has said, he will bring it to pass. But me and you still doubt God sometimes. When God speaks, we are scratching our head and say, uh, Lord, how is it gonna work?" The devil doesn't ask God, how is it gonna work?" He knows that if it has come out of the mouth of God, he's done already. Are you catching what I'm saying? Yeah. But the fact that the devil is a believer does not make him a disciple of the Lord Jesus. Yes. That doesn't make him a Christian, if I may use that terminology. That doesn't make him a part of the way. So church today is full of believers. But the Lord didn't say, go ye into the world and make believers. He said, go make what? Disciples. Disciples, Disciples are people who have gone through the process of being discipled. And you want to understand this process of being disciplined. Is not, this, this is different from self-discipline. No man can disciple themselves. Somebody must disciple you. So that is one of the problems we have in church. A lot of people come to church, but they don't go through the process of being disciplined by the gift and the grace that God has put in the house for that purpose. Matter of fact, we challenge, we oppose, we think that we are in equal foot with them without understanding the grace that is in the house. Oh, that is good preaching. Come on, are you with me? So therefore he said, by now you ought to be one who knows how to handle the meat of God, not the milk. But it goes on to say, meat, or one translation they amplified and say, solid food belongs to those who are spiritually mature. When I read that one in verse number, I think that was uh, Hebrews 5.14, I read that. It says solid food or meat belongs to those who are mature. The amplified translation say, those who by their senses, one translation through their mental faculties, They are able, you see, look, look, they are able to exercise by practice. Want to see that word? They are able to what? Exercise by what? By practice. So in other words, one translation says they are trained by practice. In other words, those who are spiritually matured are those who are trained by practice. So you understand, maturity is not something that just happened like that. It's a training. It's a process that requires practice. And this practice, the scripture is talking about, has to do with the mind. It said those whose mind have been trained by practice. So you understand this. Hear me, church. The problem with man is the mind. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if some of you understand, if you know that. Colossians chapter number one. If I'm not mistaken, verse number 21 clearly makes it, to, makes it clear to us that the problem of man is the mind. He yeah. say it is in our mind that we became enemies of God. Yeah. Or, or rather, it is in our mind that we became separated from God. Hello, church. Yeah. That is why when I preach Christ to you, just as you are, and you say, I believe, and you receive Jesus as your Lord and Pastor say, do you change in your physical body? You don't change your physical body, but something happens to your mind or to your spirit being. That is where the change takes place or the change begins. The Bible says it is in our mind that we became enemies of God. And if it is in our mind we became enemies of God, you understand that it is also in our mind that we need to be restored back to God. That is why the scripture constantly speaks about the renewing of the mind. The renewing of the mind. The renewing of the mind. Your mind. You understand the battlefield is what? In the mind. The devil is after your mind and the Lord is after your mind. He who controls the mind controls your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Anyone? That is why the scripture says you must guard your mind. You must guard it. You must guard it. At all times. Because that can become the entry point of the enemy to pollute your mind. That is why most people are corrupt in the mind. Are you with me? Adam and Eve, where were they corrupt? They were corrupt in their mind. It it has to do with mind. Think about those tree in the garden. The tree of the knowledge knowledge has to do with the mind. Knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life or the tree of the knowledge of life. Anyone you eat from, determine the kind of life you have. And I say, if you understand scripture, tree speaks about human, if you read through scriptures. So that if you bring that into our present term, it depends on where, what, what tree are you eating from. Or rather, translation: who are you listening to? Because the man you listen to and the revelation he brings to you determine the kind of life that you have. Are you with me? So in other words, if you sit under a man who eats or who represents the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you become corrupt in your mind even though it's a religious tree and become separated from God rather than being intimate with God. But when you eat from that tree of life, which speaks of Christ, who is the tree of life, or one who has a standing in Christ, you understand the life of God, the revelation of God is poured out to you that brings a transformation in your life and bring you into Christ and restore the life of Christ in you. It renews your mind. Are you with me? That is why every gathering we come into, there is always an upgrade in the mind or a degrading of the mind. Spiritually, it's either you are upgraded or spiritually, it's either you are what? Degraded. That's why sometimes, you see oh so, 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 ha- our minds, you understand computer, computer So Some of us are, 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 are hard drive, some of us need to disfigure, I mean yeah. tear that into pieces and remove some things, I'm upgraded, I'm bringing it into the present time. Okay, let's go on, let's go on, let's go on, let's go on. So I, I, I really, I really, Colossians chapter number two, if you will, Colossians chapter number two, because we must grow in the Lord. Colossians chapter number two, uh, if you're writing right, beginning from verse number six to verse number eight, verse number six to verse number eight. I'm going to read from different translation, but I want to hear this. And I believe the Lord is saying this to us this year, as you proceed the Lord, whatever direction you pursue the Lord, whatever vision the Lord has given to you, and whatever be the desires of your heart. Verse number six, Colossians 2:6. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Verse number seven. He says, Rooted and built up in him. I want to take note of that word. I'm going to deal with our rooted and built upward in him. Established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Verse number eight, it say, says beware, well, rather be careful, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. It says after the tradition of men, it says after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. Now, see what this translation says, the contemporary English version of the Bible. He reads, he says, you have accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord. He says, 'Now now keep on following him. He says, plant your roots in Christ and let him be the foundation of your life. He says, be strong in your faith just as you were taught and be grateful. But look what he says. He said, don't let anyone fool you by using senseless arguments. He said, these arguments may sound wise. He said, but they are only human teachings. They come from the powers of this world and not from Christ. Come on, is somebody hear what I'm saying? That is why I say we must be very careful. Because some of these so-called teachings... There are false teachings. They sound wise when you listen to them. But the scripture says they are only the teachings of men. And it is patterned after the powers of this world that wants to control your mind. He said, but not after Christ. So therefore you be careful. So if Paul is speaking to believers to be careful, in other words, there is a tendency that they can be corrupt and fall from the grace that they are in. Because if I'm saved, and forever saved, there's no need for you to tell me to be careful. To be careful of what? Because I'm saved, I can never be unsaved again. Ooh. Are you catching what I'm saying? But if Paul is saying, be careful. So in other words, there's a, there's a tendency that something can happen to my salvation. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? So therefore, let me give you another translation. This one is the Amplified Translation. It said, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, it's a walk in union with him. But this one says, reflecting his character in the things you do and say. That is something else there. Mm. Reflecting what? His character. character in the things you do and say. Living lives that leads others away from sin. Yeah. Mm. Wow. That's number seven. Is said, having been deeply rooted in him and now being continually built up in him. He said, I'm becoming increasingly more established in your faith as you were taught. He said, and overflowing in it with thanksgiving. But he said, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy yeah. and empty deceit after the traditions of men. Say, following the elementary principles of this world rather than following the truth that is the teachings of Christ. Yeah. Come on, are you with me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I want to see that word. I looked into that word now because if the scripture is saying, Those of us who have received Christ, he saying, Walk ye in him. But how do we walk in him? He say Be rooted in him and being built up. That word, rooted in Christ. I believe that is, that, that is a key word for us. We need to be what? Rooted in Christ. doesn't matter where you are in Christ. You need to be what? Rooted and anchored in him. So when I looked at that Greek word, rooted in Christ, it means to be established. Or rather, to be, st- to be stable in Christ. He said, I, I look more into that definition on that word. He said that means we have a strong desire to know him. Hello? Hello? When it says you need to be rooted in Christ, you must have what? A strong desire to what? To know him. I don't know how strong your desire is for the Lord this year, 2020, to know the Lord. The truth of the matter, there is no man or woman that have ever encountered the Lord that remains the same. You can't remain the same. Everything around you must change. The healing will come. The miracle will come the moment you know the Lord, the moment you encounter the Lord, something happens in your life. Are you with me? Okay. He said that means we have a strong desire to know him. This other other point, he said to have faith in him. In other words, your faith is established in him. He said even when it is difficult to understand. Hello, church. Do you understand what I mean? He said when you are rooted in Christ, it means that you have faith in God even when it is difficult to even understand things. Mm. But do you know that is where most of us fail in our work with God when it comes to our faith in God? I've been dealing on this aspect of understanding the life of faith. I want you to hear me, people of God. Jesus, after speaking prophetically to Thomas and to others before he died... And spoke of his resurrection on the third day. When he died, none of them remember what he said. Or rather, if they remembered, none of them believed. Because obviously they were thinking, how would they beat him in that manner? Because if he was a Messiah, he should have done something. He couldn't do anything. He couldn't save himself. now they didn't understand. And when he was dead and buried, they went back disappointed and thought all have come to an end. So, when they heard that there was a resurrection of Christ, Thomas was not in church when Jesus showed himself to the other disciples. So, when Thomas came, they said, Jesus appeared to ah, oh, Thomas said, No, no, no. He <laughs> said, I will not believe until I see him. Touch the fingerprints and put my hand by his side and see where he was pierced. He said, Then I'll believe. When Jesus appeared, Thomas, you're here, Amma. Uh, touch it. Put your hands and hold me. And Thomas, they now believed. But Jesus responded say, and said, Jesus said, Thomas, he said, because you have seen me, he said, you have believed. But blessed are those who do not see, but yet will believe. Mm. Do you know the Lord was speaking about you and I? Yes. Are you with me? Speaking about you and I? Yes. How many of you have seen the Lord before? Would you have, have you seen the Lord? You have never seen the Lord. How do you know that He exists? You see where faith works in. Are you catch what I'm saying? This is where the blessing is tied. Blessed are those who do not see, but yet they do what? They believe. So the issue of your faith must be established. Because if your faith is not established in Christ, listen to me, any man can talk you out of your belief in Christ and lead you astray because of your lack of faith in him. So now, we must come to the place where our faith, I'm gonna to come to, our faith is anchored in Christ that no matter what any man says, and no matter the miracle that is performed by any man, yet you will not be moved by your faith in him. Now, I'm not talking about that faith where you, it is well, you serve the Lord when everything is well. But when everything is not well, then your faith, begin, you begin to lose faith in God. You become like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three Hebrew boys. Have you, have, you, have, you, have, you, have you thought about the faith of these guys? They say, look at the fire there if you don't bow down to the king and this graven image, we're gonna throw you into the fire. And they looked at them and said, we will not bow down before any graven image or any man, we will only bow down before God. And he said, you know what? We know that our God is able to deliver us from this fairy fire and from the hands of this king. But you know what they said? They say, even if, he does not deliver us. He said, yet we will still believe in him. That is a, that is a two-sided coin. It doesn't matter how it whether it is well or it is not well, our faith remains stable in him. That's what the, that's what the scripture say. Most people today have already have timetable for 2012. Lord, if you don't give me my husband before the middle of this year, I'm out of church. <laughs> have, you, have you seen people like that? Lord, if the miracle does not happen by the 31st of January, I'm not going to church again. Man, who lose? Yeah. You think God have anything to do when you give up on God? <laughs> God doesn't lose anything. You are the one who is gonna lose. At the end, you realize that you have it, uh, it, uh, to lock up in eternal damnation wow. because you did not believe in him or you lose your faith in him. Mm-hmm. So what I'm trying to say is the people of God, we must become men and women of the faith. So the Lord put this in my heart. There is a a new breed of people that God is raising up in our time. And these are men of faith. When I say men, I mean both men and women. But these are people of what? Faith in God. Who have an absolute faith in God. Their faith is strong in the Lord. Come rain or come sun. You see, we see do not understand this life of faith. The Bible said the righteous shall live. By Mm faith and not by sight. Do you understand what I mean? The whole life of the believer, as a matter of fact, your walk in Christ is governed by faith because everything you read in this scripture makes no sense to you until faith is alive. You hear until faith is alive because you are living everything you can see that will be a benefit to you And you are pursuing after something that you cannot see, all in the name of one God, in the name of Jesus Christ. And that's why when the world looks at you, are you mad? They think that you are insane. But it's going to take faith. Because the just shall live what? By faith. The people of the spirit are people who are governed by the spirit of faith. Romans chapter number 1, verse 16 and 17, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to them who what? Believe. It said, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by what? Faith. The just shall live by faith. Hebrews chapter number 6, verse, no chapter number 11 verse 6. It says without faith it is impossible to please God. For anyone who come to God must believe that he is a rewarder of them who diligently do what? Seek him. How many of you know that God is looking for men that will please him? Mm-hmm. You must become a man who please God. And the scriptures say it is only by faith. Do you understand that? So, how can I be pleasing to God? How can I waste it? Your works cannot please God because they are all filthy rags. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What pleases God is your faith in him. Not your works. Your faith in him. Your faith in the finished work, Your faith in his grace. That is what pleases God. And that is what causes God to respond. And the scripture says anything that is not done by faith or in faith, the scripture says it's a sin. Do you understand? He says he says anything, anything. In other words, anything that has to do with our relationship with God is based on faith. And anything outside faith, he says he says See, it's not accepted. Wow. So therefore, we must come to this place where you must understand this life of faith that we are rooted in. Hello church, are you with me? Yeah. But the question what is faith? What is this faith we're talking about? What is this faith? Hebrews chapter number eleven verse one. I'm going to round up soon. Hebrews chapter number eleven verse one. He said, "Now faith is the substance." Somebody says, "Substance." substance. Come on, substance. substance. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. He said, and it is the evidence of things not yet seen. Two words. There. One is the word substance, and two, the word evidence. Faith is substance. Faith is evidence. You know when I say faith is substance? You see I'm standing here, you can see my shadow? Mm. My shadow is not the substance. This is the substance. If you hold the shadow, you won't hold the substance. But if you hold the substance, you hold the shadow. Faith don't go after the shadow of things. Faith goes after the substance. In other words, the substance is the real deal of the exact thing you are believing God for. So, when they say have faith, you it's a, say, you are sick. I say, come, I'm going to pray for you. half faith. Now, I want to, come, I want to get a, half it. Have faith. You know what? We're trying, in other words, I say, lay hold of the healing. Yeah. Yeah. So, in other, the moment I pray, hear me, faith is not God is going to do it, faith is God has already done it. Yeah. Let me help you out. Hope is an expectation, faith is not an expectation. Ooh. Faith is the evidence, is the yeah. proof, it's already done. Yeah. Most of us misuse or uh, mix what we call faith and hope. They are not the same thing. Before you pray, you have hope that God can do it. Mm-hmm. But the moment you pray, you don't operate in hope, you operate in faith, it is done. Mm-hmm. No, I don't know, some, some of you didn't catch what I just said. Are you on it? Faith, I mean hope, is that God is going to do it. Yeah. Faith is that God has already done it. Yeah, Those are two different things. Come on. So we are a people of faith. We are not a people of hope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now we operate in the finished works of Christ. Oh. We are not operating in the work that God is going to do. He has already done it. Oh. So your faith in him is already done. It's a done deal. So when you say, after tonight we will pray for you, you are healed. It's not, because, it's not that what God is going to do. He has already done it. Oh. So what we are doing is that we are stepping into it. We are laying hold of the promise. Yeah, yeah. We are laying hold of the substance. Yeah, yeah. Come on, is somebody hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so that is why after prayer, all you need to do is to thank God for it. Woo! Yeah. I, was re- I was hearing this, this testimony of Smith Wigglesworth. As this lady who had this, uh, something like a tumor, grown here like this. And Smith was taught the people that when I pray for you in this church, he said, I don't pray for you twice. He said, I only pray once. Because you must operate by faith. He said, because if I pray the second time, it means that I did not believe in God the first time. So therefore, it has to be faith. So if I pray for you once, have faith in God, it's done because I believe it's done. So they say, every time he prayed, he prayed once, it's done. Mm-hmm. So people got miracles. Mm-hmm. So now, this woman who had this growth here, whatever, and came after the teaching of it, and Ms. Miguel, so laid hand on her and prayed for her and said, You are healed. Mm. She went back home, it was still there. And came to church the next day, testimony time, she put her hand up, let me give testimony. And came forward, he said, Last night, uh, the pastor's man who goes prayed for me. I had this had uh, uh, this growth here, or whatever. And when he prayed for me, I was healed. Mm. Man, this thing is still there. I mean, everybody is like, hey, Hello, are you blind? <laughs> like, are you, don't, don't, can't you see that the thing is still there? No, he said, No, it's not there. He said, I'm healed. I said, week after week, she came and tested. It is done. I'm healed. Some people say, Man, you are mad. You are insane. And she prayed. He said, Lord, do it for them that they might believe that you have already done it for me. Right? Wow. Instantly, the thing disappeared right before oh. their eyes. It was, it was gone. For what? For what? So that the people will believe that God has already done it. Wow. Do you understand that? That is why if you are sick, After prayer, you don't remain where you are. You stand up by faith and exercise your faith, like it is done, and give thanks to God. That is how you step into the waters and believe God for the manifestation of the miracles. Come on, is somebody here what I'm saying? So, what what matter? Whatever you are believing for from God can be done just by faith. Is somebody here what? Just by what? Faith. How does this faith come? I'm concluding. I'm coming. How does this faith come? Faith comes by what? Hearing. Romans chapter number 10. Faith comes by what? Hearing. And hearing by what? The Word of God. Now, hear me clear. One translation. Faith does not just come by hearing. You know what? Because you can hear anything, it does not bring faith. He said, Faith comes when what you hear concerning the Word of God becomes a revelation to you. So faith is not just hearing. Faith is the hearing of the revelation of God when it's now revealed to you. So as I'm speaking now, everybody is hearing, but everybody is not having faith. Yeah. It will only come to those who now, oh, now I catch it. Light come. Wow, it beats up in you. Mm-hmm. That is why faith comes. Come on, is somebody hearing what I'm saying? Yes. Faith comes what? Well? By hearing. Faith comes by what? Hearing. One translation says, when the teachings of The anointed one becomes a revelation to you. He says, faith rises in you. Faith is built up in you. Are you aware me? faith comes by what? Here. And you know that anything we receive from God is based on faith. Do you know all the miracles Jesus performed was based on faith? Even when Jesus came to the guy at the pool of Bethesda, he asked the man, do you want to be made whole? Mm. Do you believe that you can be made whole? I mean, are you asking the man who is crippled, do you want to be? Everybody knows that he wants to be made whole. And the guy looked at Jesus and said, Why are you asking me that question? <laughs> <laughs> that is why I'm here. As a matter of fact, anytime the angel troubled the water, I see it first. When I tried to enter, he said, Somebody stepped in before me. And he made a statement. He said, I have no man to help me. But thank God that Beniza was there. Jesus Christ. He said, Take up your mat, rise and go. The man, blind Bartimaeus, cried. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. And Jesus said, call him when he came. He said, what do you want me to do? He said that I may receive my Do you believe? <laughs> receive it. But the one that interests me most was the two blind men. Two blind men in Matthew chapter number nine. On Jesus, the Baptist, they beseeched him that he will heal them but he did not answer them. But when he came into the house, they came into the house and begged him, please heal us. And Jesus looked at them and asked them a question. Do you believe that I can do this? They said yes, we believe. And he made a statement, be it unto you. According to what? Your faith. No, not my faith now. According to what? Your faith, your faith. Yeah. be it unto you. And the Bible says, immediately their eyes were opened and they saw, when he laid hand on them. I love the message translation. The message translation says, when they came, he said, do you trust me that I can do this? Said, they say, why not? You know what he said unto them? He said, become what you believe. Mm. Wow. The message translation says, do what? He said, become what you do what? What you believe. So in other words, you are a product of your faith. I love church. Do you understand that? Yeah. So when I say, you are a prophet, become what you do, what believe. So in other words, when you are being taught now, what do you believe? What has what, what been built up in your mind? You become what you are thinking of now. Mm. Are you with me? Mean? Yes. Can you believe that you are healed? Yeah. Come on, church. Can you believe that you are healed? Yeah, yeah you can walk in that healing now. <clears throat> can you believe that you are delivered from every oppression and depression of the enemy? Yes. You can walk in that reality now. Because listen to me, a lot of people are under tremendous demonic oppression. I'm I'm talking about believers. I'm not talking about being possessed. There's a difference between being possessed and sometimes being oppressed. Demon, I mean, some believers are being oppressed. Being possessed means the devil is living in you. But there are some believers who are not, the devil is not in them, but they are being oppressed by the devil. So a lot of circumstances, a lot of things are bringing depression on you. You are a believer. The devil is not in there. But some people need the hand of God. And this freedom is in your faith in God when you believe in him. As you begin to walk close to him. But it is based on your faith. Are you catching what I'm saying? It is our faith that overcomes the world. The scripture says. It is our faith that brings the victory. It is our faith that moves the mountain. It is our faith that will split the Red Sea. Everything is based on what? Your faith in him. Yeah. Yeah. It's based on your faith in him. Come on, are you with me? Yeah. So I want to believe that if you trust the Lord today, or tonight, we can experience a great move of God in anything you believe in God for. Amen? Yeah. yeah. You know, you know, your walk with God can become an experience. Your walk with God can become an experience. You know, some of us, we just come to the Lord, but there's so much more in God. But your faith must, you, you must increase that depth of your faith in God. Because God wants to do some great things in us, through us. Some of you here, it may not be that God, you need it for you, but it may be you need it for your wife. Maybe you need it for your husband. It may be we need it for our children. Because we can stand on the gap for them and believe that God can give them a breakthrough. Even though they are thousands of miles away, God can give them a breakthrough. Our faith can stand for them. Because the blessings of God is not just for you. The blessings of God is a generational blessing for you, your children, and even to the next generation. So we can stand by faith and believe God that God is going to turn everything around. Hello, church. Is, is somebody catching what I'm saying? Yes. You can believe God for some breakthrough, some move of God. Some of us are so hungry for God. I believe. I, some of us are so hungry for God. You just believe in God for more. Are, are you? Uh, just. I'm not just talking to. I'm talking to myself. As much as I'm talking to, I'm talking to myself because I'm tired of religion. Are you with me? Mean? I'm tired of just talking about this power of God, this awesomeness of God, and yet I'm not seeing it. I want to experience the glory of God. Are you with me? Mean? When we come to church, I want that weight of God's glory, like we read in the Scripture, that we will not be even able to teach or do anything. But everybody, we are lying down on our face, not because we want to, but because of the weight of God, the heaviness of God, that we are. Everybody is on your on, on your face before God. That's what I'm talking about. Amen. You see, a lot, of, a lot of some of this so-called move of God are not move of God. Mm-hmm. These are some of us making up some things. Oh, well, no, 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 no. I'm talking about genuine encounter with God. Yeah. Yeah. Are you? I, I was having a meeting with, in Brisbane with. Uh, they were Sudanese group, this African group in Brisbane now. Uh, I see that every time there's manifestation, crying demon, ushers catching there, oh, they're falling. No, 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 the night I'm going to minister, I say, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. I didn't come here to follow you. I don't, let me help you out. Ushers, you are relief of your duty. Everybody stand. No usher is behind you because sometimes you think because somebody is behind, that is why you easily fall yourself. I say nobody is behind you. So if you fall when the Lord has not fallen, you break your head. <laughs> so, which means you have to stand still now, so that anyone who falls, you know the Lord fell that one, and we can experience a transformation in the life of anyone who goes. Amen. They two still. <laughs> so suddenly, at the end of so, some fell. That. But at the end of me, two days, three days, that I was having a dinner with one with one family, and this lady came. He said, "I want to testify." He said. Every time I come to the meeting, or any, not just my meeting, any meeting, I discover that I'm always, you know, out of control, crying, and, and people always, I always fall over, and people always hold me, and cry, cry, but I don't understand why. He said, but when you said that, nobody is going to be behind us. He said, actually, that day, he said, I decide to kneel down. Because there's nobody behind. Because I don't know if it's me that is doing it or it's the Lord. So I decided to kneel down so that at least I know I'm, I'm well balanced this time. He said, but when you said that the moment we said receive the Holy Spirit or that impact, He said, something like electricity struck me. I didn't know, but I was on the floor. So when I woke up, I, he said, I realized God has done something. And believe me, that was the first time she can testify that a change has taken place. Yeah. Yeah. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So I want, I want those kind of encounters that has nothing to do with men. Yes. Yes. Are you here once? So that if I leave this place, I know that I've encountered the Lord. And those are the things I want to see in church. Those are the things we need to see in church. Do you know if we see those kind of things in church, people will always want to come to church? We're not going to beg anybody. But as a matter of fact, the meeting is going to be seven, some people will be here by five. Six because I just want to be in that awesomeness of God's power. Yeah. Right. Do you know that it is your faith that stirs up the anointing, the glory of God? Your faith in God. So, in other words, if you have that faith and can show up here by six o'clock and hear the meeting start by seven, do you know that your faith is already stirred at things can even happen before seven? Yeah, yeah. The moment you walk in here, because that, that atmosphere is created. Have you have you watched those crusades back in Africa? I was listening to this one of Pastor Chris. Some of you must have heard about Pastor Chris and so It was sometimes you heard of Benin Crusade. Mm-hmm. There are some people who come to the meeting. The meeting have not started, but yet the miracles have already started. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You hear me? They just came around the atmosphere of the faith. I mean, you hear they say the people stood up and walked, but this, the man has not even showed up in the crusade. He has not even prayed. But the glory of God is, uh, people are are already standing up like the thing happened before it happened. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now those are people's faith that have been built up. I was hearing of Pastor Chris, they talk about the, uh, the school of ministry. He does the school of ministry. And now I hear that the people come to the school of ministry Three months in advance, be, those who need the miracle, before the re-day of the miracle. Now, they take you to teachings, video, and they build up your faith that when he prays for you, this is what you should do. Even though you are not healed, exercise your faith and give thanks to God and it happens. Are you catching one? So these people go through these three months of this school and training. And when the thing comes, the man of God just comes. He's already built before he comes. Receive yeah. your healing. You see them quickly, they respond, and the thing happens. Yeah. Are you catch one of them? So in other words, if we are a people of faith, a community of faith, we ought to stir up our faith even before the meeting starts because we already know what to expect. And guess what? God works miracles in our midst. Are you with me? I want to see miracles. Yes. Believe me. I want, we want to see blind eyes open. Mm-hmm. Yes. We want to see deaf ears open. We want to see, listen, I'm not talking about fever heal. I'm not talking about headache. I'm talking about creative miracles. Yes. Oh, I can tell you of some miracles. Some of you will be amazed of miracles. Miracles. You see miracles where somebody who, who in, in your early age, went to do an abortion and the abortion went out of hand, and they had to remove the womb and cut it off. There's no womb there anymore. See, so now that this, this lady cannot become pregnant in life again. And now gets married, and come to church meeting, and come and say, believe God for the miracle. man of God, I want a child. Mm. I mean, I mean uh, scientifically or whatever you say, there is no womb there. But you are talking of somebody coming and saying, and after prayer, and come back again and say, well, I'm pregnant. And the same doctor who removed the womb is the same doctor who does the test. and say, it's impossible. But yet you cannot deny the miracle because now I know and the child is dead. Are you, are you, are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? I, was, I don't know whether I shared it. I was ministering in Canada. I was invited to a Baptist church. A Baptist church. A traditional Baptist church. And not only that, they now advertise that apostle is coming. These guys don't believe in apostolic ministry. <laughs> not only you are inviting this guy to come, but you are, invi- you are saying apostle. So there are this group in the church who are part of the board members, they've gone online and Googled that word apostolic reformation and gather all the negative things and put it together as a count to indict the pastor of the church for inviting a so-called man who claimed to be apostolic and come to teach us about transition to the apostolic kingdom. These things are there. But as God will have it. Didn't know what was happening. Showed up in church, teach the message of the kingdom, but listen, thine is the glory, thine is the power. So if where the kingdom of God is, the power of God is the glory of God. So we don't just only teach about kingdom, but let's exercise this power. If you're sick, come. And now, while I pray for all the people who have fallen on the floor, this guy, elderly guy, stood at the back but refused to come. But he had a problem for many years. And the wife looked at him and said, you go on. No, no, he's in his mind. He said, I think this guy is pushing them down. So, but the wife said, but why did you not you go for prayer? Oh, well, the wife dragged him and Not knowing he was the chairman of the board of the directors. Mm. Remember, others have this paper. So he came and stood there. I prayed for him. Ooh, he went down. <laughs> I didn't push him, but he went. I didn't know what was happening. But went back home and woke up in the morning for 15 years. He's, he can't stand for long, for 15 years, and he can't lift anything up because he's been having this, I don't know what they call medically call it, whatever, and it's, it's going to be for life. And suddenly he could stand and went out and lift things, and for the first time after 15 years he could stand and the, the whole compound and do all these things yeah. and yeah. said, I'm healed. I came out and gave it to, But now, this whole group in church now summoned the pastor and reported to the whole board of the whole region so that they can vote out the pastor. But who is going to move the motion for the voting to remove the pastor? The chairman. <laughs> so when they brought all the accusations that he listened to them and everything, but they now told them, they "Say, but if this man is false, what about this miracle that has happened?" I think "You all know me for 15 years. My problem." But after that night of prayer, this is what God has done. I'm healed. So are you not telling me that I should now vote against this same thing that has healed me? That day, five families left the church. We're talking of five pillars in church. Part of the board decided to leave since they couldn't have their way to vote in the pastor. But you know how God does things? The same week five of them left, God brought ten members. <laughs> solid and added it to church isn't god amazing but the whole key here is your faith in god amen so we can i'm not just talking about today but every time we come together even in your personal time we can experience the supernatural of god the key is our faith amen let's stand on our feet come let's stand on our feet let's stand on our feet hallelujah we hope you enjoyed this powerful teaching from apostle israel You can find more of his teachings and resources on the World Vision Crusade Outreach Ministries website. Visit wvcom-international.org for more info. To find out more about the Way community here in Bendigo, visit our website the-way.com.au.